What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. Dude, you don't have to keep clapping. <laughs> <laughs> I guess let's introduce it, then we'll, we'll launch into that. Do you want to do the intro this time? Hi, welcome back to another episode of Bearded B-Roll. Today is Hump Day Horror, and we're going to speak about the movie Evil Dead. Sorry, The Evil Dead. There's a difference between Evil Dead and The Evil Dead. We shall speak of it. <laughs> I can't believe this movie had an NC-17 rating when it first came out. That makes sense. It was a lot. Especially for that time. Maybe not so much now. Think about it. Like, How many other like gross-out like horror movies were there like that? I think that's the problem too. None that were released as widely though. Cause a lot of, at the time when people were creating weird shit like that, it was shown in like select theaters. You didn't have access to it everywhere. And I think evil dead was one of the first ones that kind of made that jump to more mainstream. I love that they got the, the funding for it by pitching the end of the woods movie and the end of the woods movie. I'm glad isn't what evil dead ended up being. Cause I actually watched that then the audio was bad. The Super 8 footage was bad because it got washed out a lot or it was too dark. And then the storyline all revolved around evil Native American burial ground type stuff. I like the idea that they took it away from that because that's, I don't know if it was cliche back then, but I feel like it's always been cliche and horror to have it be Native American burial grounds. Well, I mean, that was the the general sell in like Amityville horror and in, um, poltergeist right yeah well poltergeist it wasn't an ancient burial ground it was just a it was a graveyard i think it was an ancient indian burial ground man oh i think that was before it was a graveyard it was a cemetery though because they moved the plots and not the people i just found the most horrifying deep fake video of bruce campbell's face put on Gollum's body i was wondering what that weird whispering was (laughs) (laughs) I, i just thought it was a picture and then it started blaring in my ear also, apparently Stephen King helped make this movie. I don't know why I looked up weird trivia stuff. That was it, though. That's about as far as it went. Well, weird trivia you probably didn't find on IMDb. And I've seen this movie, like, I've seen this movie countless times and never noticed it until today that Bruce Campbell is wearing moccasins through the entire movie. <laughs> Wait, what? I, I still haven't noticed that. He's wearing moccasins the whole time. Little brown moccasins. <sighs> All right. Also, this movie was so much shorter than I remember it being. Dude, I know. There's like, I, in my mind, I had so much more, but I think it was because when I was a kid, it actually scared me. It was like an hour and 25 minutes, including credit time. Well, I mean, it was super low budget. Because what, like Sam Raimi, pretty much, he got all the money himself, mostly. He had one producer. Everybody in the credits is just listed as fake shemp. What? That's how they describe everybody that was a body double in the movie as fake shemp. <laughs> I've never watched the credits. And like Ted Raimi is a fake shemp. Apparently there was another brother named Ivan Raimi that I never even heard of who was Ted also Raimi's a, in this movie? As a fake shemp. I think he does like one of Ash's stunts or something. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I mean Ash even got or uh, Bruce Campbell even was like technically a producer on it because he did stuff outside of the the movie too. So other things that I noticed is um, I, I'm supposing it's because they probably didn't have 
like anybody to like review things, but there's a lot of continuity errors in this movie. And one of my favorites is right at the beginning. Cause I'd never noticed it before. Cause like, you know, this time I'm looking at this movie with like that, uh, that eye of like, you know, actually tearing it apart or whatever. And, uh, or like a critical eye. I've never done that before. I usually just sit and I watch it and I enjoy it for what it is. Um, but in the beginning when they're like barreling through, like speeding down that little tiny like road around these curves and stuff. One, he's driving on the wrong side of the road. Of course, he's going to almost get into a car accident. You don't need the (laughs) steering wheel to turn them into that. He's already on the wrong side of the road. But two, right their their windows are up this whole time. When the truck appears, Ash, Bruce Campbell's character, has his head outside the window telling him to get out of the, like, to, to turn out of the way. And then he goes, and they go back, and the windows are still closed. <laughs> How did he put his head outside? Magic. So you know that it's off to a supernatural start when you can just put your head through closed windows. Also, why is he letting his friend drive his car? Why does it have to be Ash's car? Maybe it was a long trip and they had just switched. Maybe. Maybe. Seems weird to sit in the back seat of your own car, though. Yeah, no, I would be uncomfortable with that. I would not be down. Yeah, I thought that's why I, th- I was another. I just thought that was weird. Because they have to, they make a point to say that the car just got worked on. You know, because they have to set it up for later. Plus the, the steering wheel just turning itself out because the ghosts start right away. Um, also, <laughs> why did the truck thing, say Lazy Mary on the bumper? The hell was that? Why did they focus on it? They, yeah, they like showed it a little bit at first. Then they were like, no, no, just in case you missed it. Lazy Mary. Lazy Mary. I don't know if that's like some kind of supernatural monster demon thing reference. I don't think so. Is that like maybe an HP Lovecraft thing since the Necronomicon is? And also... I realize they never actually call it the Necronomicon in this. Oh, yeah, they don't. Do they call it the Book of the Dead in the recording? Something like that. I think that's what it says it translates to, but it's like something else. And I was like, holy crap, they don't actually call it the Necronomicon. Where did that come from? And is that like, I guess that's the second one. But um, how about the, also the fact that the, the road that leads to the cabin itself, like the trail that they're driving on, isn't a road. It's just grass and like down trees and stuff. Yeah, that's how you know you're out in the country, man. I would never go to something like that. Never mind the fact that, like, either that or it's like they weren't supposed to drive over that bridge and they were supposed to park on the other side of the bridge or something, like, because I could see that being a thing and then, you know, walk the trail there. Because clearly the bridge wasn't meant to hold the car. No, not even a little bit. And the driver's like, no, no, this bridge is sturdy, like, as pieces of it are falling off. <laughs> no, Ash says that. Oh, he, I, thought the, I thought Scott said it. Also, when they were unpacking the car... Bruce Campbell was having like way too much fun. They have a lot of fun in this movie. So one of the best scenes in this movie, or like one of the, one of the good ones, I guess, I don't know. This whole movie is great to me. Even if I have like a bad opinion of it now, it's still like four beards (laughs) saying that right now. Did Sam Raimi invent like that swing scene or is it, was it cliche by now? What do you mean swing scene? Because in like all horror movies at this point, there will be a scene where like, as the people approach like the spooky haunted house, There'll be a swing, like a swing chair or something like rocking or moving. And then the moment like they approach the house, it just stops. I don't know. I think it might've been a trope that already existed, but I mean, he did some stuff in here that I think a lot of it was firsts that other people rip off. Now, one of my favorite things about this movie is the way 
the camera is affixed to the object or the person moving while the background moves. Um, we see it later when like the zombie thing is like floating toward Ash because the background's moving, but the camera is like fixed to the body. Uh, when somebody approaches him with a knife, the same thing happens. So it's like, oh no, I was gonna, I brought that up too. Like I love some like the camera work in this movie. Uh, there's like a lot of scenes with that. Like the one where um, him and his sister are trying to escape and it goes in like first person. That felt like something in a video game. Yeah. And you know, when he looks at her and she's like, I knew they were going to let us go. And then he looks back at the steering wheel. Like that was great. I loved that. I don't actually know how to talk about this movie. I guess we just talk about it. I guess we're not going to go in any kind well, of order or anything. One thing that, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I missed it. But one thing that was, I think, a missed opportunity here was like when the group is sitting down for their first and like only enjoyable meal that they have at the cabin. There's a really loud noise as the girl pulses the blender. I don't know what she was blending. I guess it was a smoothie or something. So when you see it, your immediate reaction is like, oh man, somebody's going to get their hand shoved in that blender later. That blender's going to fuck somebody up. And then they like never use it. You have an obsession with blenders. That's the problem. They don't actually <laughs> need the blender attack. It doesn't need to be a thing. It should. If there's a blender in a horror movie, it you're should be. You're sitting here and be... you're like, oh, you know what they should have did was what ha- should have happened was Ash should have smashed the blender shoved it in one of the girls' coaches, and then turned it on. Okay, I didn't say that. Yeah, that's what you were thinking, though. I know what you were thinking. There's, like, a million red flags, though. Like, I, I feel like if any of the stuff that they had started happening to me as I just got near to, like, being in at the place I was going to go camping, I'd be done. I'd just be like, nah, I don't want to be here. Yeah, it was one of those classic situations of, like, hmm, that was weird. Oh, well. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> So other things that I haven't noticed that are actually really cool is I didn't realize when the sister, like after they have their dinner, or I guess before, I don't know, it's during at the same time when the sister's like sitting there drawing and then her hand goes into like that automatic mm-hmm. writing type situation when it gets possessed, there's actually makeup on her hand to make it look possessed. Like it's different. It's great. No, I, I didn't, I didn't notice that. I never noticed it before until this time. And I was like, oh shit. Like they like show like the moment, like the deadites like get into your skin, which is another word I don't think they use in this either. No, they don't. A lot of it, they just like lay the groundwork for it, and then they like describe it in more detail in the later films. Apparently, I own Army of Darkness too. I didn't know I bought that, but that's in my stuff on my Amazon account. Nice. Yeah, I don't own that. Are there any? I mean, you said that this movie was different for you watching it now rather than yeah. watching it as a child. Is there anything in it that still makes you squirm or causes like a, vis- a visceral reaction? Yeah, the pencil scene still fucks me up. Me too. The pencil and the ankle thing is like, I wrote the pencil and like my, one of my whole hard. note pages is pencil. That part has always made me super uncomfortable. It didn't traumatize me like it did the first time I saw it as a kid, but it still made me uncomfortable because it goes on for an uncomfortably long time. And she broke it off in there too, because when she takes yeah. the pencil out, it, it's no longer sharp on the end. It's just missing <laughs> the first like two inches of pencil. I also love how this movie is pretty much just like that classic, uh, like slasher trope where it's like a bunch of kids go camping in the woods. But then instead of it being like Jason Voorhees and like, I think Michael Myers and all that has already, this was like 81 or 80. Yeah. Cause Michael Myers was the 70. first Halloween was 78. And I think, I think Jason was before that too. So like that trope is already out, but they go like a completely different route with this one. And it's like supernatural, like ultra horror. But this one still had, um, it still had the same follow through of using the killer pov because we get to see from the point of view of like the entity oh no yeah but that's good on this one it's not the data i don't know if it like works great for like friday the 13th i think it works in halloween 
I never really thought it worked in in Friday the Thirteenth though. Not um, for me. I mean, Friday the Thirteenth wasn't scary in the traditional sense. And I think one of the reasons they did it was because everybody gets thrown to like the meat factory in Friday the 13th. Like some of them, they spend time developing the characters. If you actually rewatch them, you're like, oh, they actually did spend a little more time there. But I don't know. You're never really like scared watching those movies. You're just waiting for the next one. Like, how's this guy going to get it? Like that one guy doing the handstand walk because he was going to go get his girlfriend a beer. And then he like walks into Jason with the machete, who then promptly uses the machete to cut the guy in half, like crotch first. It's pretty that good. one made me uncomfortable. What was I just watching where somebody got sawed in half crotch first? I feel that's something you made me watch. Nah, we were talking about it. It was that Terrifier movie. Oh, yeah. I just ended up watching that, like, on YouTube. Just that, that one scene. scene. <laughs> just that scene. <laughs> also, my subtitles were really off. so it was really I funny. turned mine off right away. Because at first I thought when Scott and his girlfriend are singing, I was like, oh, Amazon's got the wrong lyrics on here. And then I realized everything was like, a good 20 to 30 seconds behind. So I turned that off. So what's funny though, is that like it, it, it could have worked really well if it was actually what it was on mine. Cause like I left them on, I stopped reading them, but like when they're at like the dinner table and it's like whispers from dem- demonically, you know, there's dead bodies in the cell. I was like, Oh shit, that's happening right now. During this stupid speech. And I was like crazy. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> for a second i was like oh that's actually kind of cool like that would be great if that's what it was and then i rewound i'm like that's not where this is happening and then when they're at their dinner that's when like the the basement door like flies open or whatever and they go and do the stupid thing of hey we should go explore this which again if you saw that door open that would have been an immediate like nope nope getting the fuck out of here yes that was like nope. raccoons it's like you know if a raccoon can slam a door open like that nah Probably Why did somebody put it there with chains and a and a deadbolt or not a deadbolt but like a padlock? <laughs> yeah, because it's already there. Yo, and like just so many red flags. Like, why didn't it, um, Cheryl tell anybody that her hand just got possessed and drew a monster book? And then when they go and they find said monster book, why isn't she like, "Hey guys, hey, I drew that." <laughs> Even funnier is why is there a picture of the book drawn inside the book? I like notice that like he's going through it, and then like one of the pages he just turns to is like the picture of the Necronomicon. I'm like, whose whose book was this? Like this isn't like this isn't like a like a sacred magic book. This was like someone's doodle book where they put spells in it too. Somebody gets to page five. What if I drew the book that I'm drawing? My own. I'm draw my sketchbook today. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing I was confused about is. The tape recorder itself, because I feel like they played more with the tape recorder in in Evil Dead 2, but the tape recorder seems to acknowledge the fact that reading the Latin will bring about some type of entity that wants to end humanity, a demonic presence. And then the tape recorder proceeds to read the Latin that will provoke this action, and I didn't understand why. Well, because he was a scientist doing science. Doesn't the movie open up too with like the entity POV already happening? So it, it implies yeah, the that it's already out. So this, yeah, because he, I guess yeah. reading it called it directly to that spot. Maybe I don't know. I don't know because you know the entity took over the steering wheel already and tried to kill them that way. Um, it's always that's always been like a weird plot hole in in the Evil Dead series because it's never like it's always been like it's already out. 
but we woke it up. Like, I don't, yeah. Because even, really, the, even yeah. the, the, the Deadites are like, you, why'd you wake us or whatever? And it's like, you, you already tried to attack them when they got here. Like, what are you, t- you possessed her hand and made her draw the book. It was like they tried to replace that, that trope of like the grizzly gas station attendant or like homeless guy telling you not to go into the woods with. By having the entity warn them of itself. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Now, I don't know if it was my TV, the way I was watching it, but are there, were there scenes for you that were just like, just blurry? Like the um, camera was just out of focus and not in like a way that would make sense. Just like it was just out of focus. I feel like a little bit here and there, but I mean, you know, one of the pitfalls of film, I guess you can't mm-hmm. just immediately check it to see if it worked right. I just wasn't sure if it was like my TV's attempt because like it was high definition. Well, it could have been like a buffering issue, maybe. I didn't really notice it on mine too much, but then again, there were also some shots that were too dark to maybe discern. Well, my, I was talking specifically in the scenes with Cheryl and Ash well, when he's giving her the necklace. Oh, like, that for one. Whatever I... reason, at first, it was just blurry. Like he was sitting on the couch, it was just blurry. I think that one came in pretty clear for me, so that might have just been your internet. Okay, that's what I was wondering if it was just me. But that wasn't Cheryl, that was Linda. Linda is oh, yeah, Linda. Sorry, I wrote the wrong name. That would have been really incestuous then. Because the next thing that happens is Cheryl gets sexually assaulted by a tree. Well, let's go back real quick to the Linda and Ash and the necklace part. Because I actually felt like the acting there felt genuine. Like that felt like something that that interaction would happen in real life if that were to go down. No, the way they did that was pretty cute. Like he's like sitting there pretending to be asleep with this like you know, jewelry box in his hand. And the way, the way well, they did the that was pretty delivery felt real. Like they had chemistry there. Also. <laughs> so, but this was definitely one of those ones. Cause like the whole time I'm watching it this time, I'm just like, there's so many things that would tell me not to do any of the stuff these people do. And you're right with like what comes next. And there's demons whispering in the woods. And Cheryl's like, Hey, you guys, what are you doing? I know you're out here. I can hear you. It's like, why would you do that? It's like, what are you talking about? We're all in here. Everybody's inside. You freaked out at the reading of the evil book. You freaked out when your hand got possessed. But yeah, let's just go see what the creepy whispers in the woods are doing. (laughs) I know she knew it wasn't them because she like, like, what are you doing? Like, oh, gosh. She went out to just investigate this all on her own. It was just it was out of character for that that character for that character. It just. Oh, like this worked. This part worked in the new one because she was trying to escape because she was going to rehab. Like this is a scene that they did also directly use, but this one, yeah, it didn't feel like there was a real reason. And two, was hentai around at this time? And had there already been tentacle porn? <laughs> because if not, then I think Sam Raimi invented tentacle porn. But it was a tree. It's, it doesn't matter. It was tentacles. Listen, even if it existed, even if Japan was already drawing naked cartoon ladies, even if Japan already existed, were they doing, were they doing tentacle rapes? Because if not, then Japan got the idea from Sam Raimi, and I'm just putting it out there that that's where it came from. I feel like that's way too early for that to exist. I don't know why. All right, so. This is the reason that I was told as a kid I wasn't supposed to watch this movie. It didn't end up stopping me. I'm pretty sure my dad is the person who showed me it. 
but why my mom told me I couldn't watch it was the tree rape scene. Because really, if you think about it, that's probably the worst reason. That's probably why it is N17. It's the most graphic part, of, but I mean, again, it's suggested. They don't really show anything in like super graphic detail. It shows the, what are you the talking about? tree it explodes into her crotch. Okay, I don't remember that. Maybe yeah, like the away. tree just like shoots at it. But no, then we get to like the part where like you were talking about how they go into first person. They use it really well, and it was the the scene where a hundred percent this is a soundstage because there's no way they were outside doing this and it was this dark. But like, I loved the entire setup of like Cheryl comes back out of the thing. And she's like. The trees attacked me. And they're like, nah, uh, crazy Cheryl. And then finally, Ash, who's a good brother, is like, you know what? All right, fine. I'll take you to town so you can stay somewhere. And then they're in the car and it's foggy and like completely black around them. And it's like this real close claustrophobic scene. Car's not starting. And then you look at the other people and there's like a bright light. It's like white behind them. And it's like their silhouettes when they're watching this happen. Because I don't honestly, why would you just watch your friends try and drive away? they watched it really intensely like something terrible was happening anyway so he can't get the car to start and then they go into first person and i think that was like the first time in the movie other than like like the the monster point of view and i don't know i loved that whole i loved that scene but it was definitely a soundstage because when they get to the bridge you can tell like that's not grass anymore and that they're just on a floor somewhere it also made me realize that i could probably get a replica of the house built and if i ever get rich i'm totally gonna get one I don't think you'd have to be rich to build this house. It was pretty basic. No, no, no. I mean, like, like I want, like, a whole room that has the woods and stuff, too. Oh, oh, you want, like, a soundstage. Yeah, 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 yeah. But also, how about the fact that the house is way bigger on the inside than it is the outside? There's way too many rooms inside that house for what they show up from the outside of it. I think they filmed it on location for the most part. Really? I mean, it was low budget. Why would they? I mean, think about how close and tight a lot of the shots are. We're never like that far away from people in this movie. No, they are really close. All right. So then there's the whole like, this is when somebody actually becomes a deadite for the first time because they all seem to kind of take in stride Cheryl's whole tree assault thing. How do you think though, like there's like another part where like the camera work is really good in this where him and Cheryl are out of the car. How did they get, is this thing you were talking about where like the camera is at like somehow a different angle for the people, but the background's the same? Because, like, Cheryl and Ash, like, get out of the car and they walk and they're, like, on, like, this hard slant. But, like, everything in the background is, like, the way it's supposed to be. Like, that camera work was really cool to me, but I don't know how they did it. Yeah, I don't really have much to say about it. <laughs> oh, all right. Fine. I guess not. I'm sorry. That's why I decided it was a soundstage for sure. Well, I mean, it could, uh, that would explain some of the inconsistencies. But then again, they could have just had them walking on, like, a platform. I guess. But how... Yeah. There were a lot of like low-key unsettling things that happened in this movie, just in the way it's visually presented. So it was really yeah. cool. They were they did a lot with a little. The card guessing scene though, that that was one that messed me up too as a kid. But I remember it being longer. So I don't know if that was That was Cheryl, know, right? Yeah. I don't know if that was like a part of being actually scared that caused it to feel longer, but it felt really short in this. Like she guessed like two cards and that was like it. And I thought it like went on for like the whole deck for some reason. Yeah, and then she's like, we have spades. And I go, shit. I also love how they're lying to Linda. Yeah, like, no, no, you're totally psychic. You got it. (laughs) So, yeah, then we find out that uh, Cheryl's full-on demon now. Then that's when the the pencil scene happens, the dreaded pencil scene. I don't understand why she didn't just stab Ash in the face with the pencil, because he was, like, right on top of her. And then she pulls a switcheroo, grabs the pencil, goes past Ash, and then stabs his girlfriend in the leg. So it was actually... 
kind of weird and out of the way for the Deadite to not just stab Ash at that time. I don't know. I guess they already chose that he was going to be the one that they, like, victimized. Because, like, while everybody's a victim in this, he's the most victimed. No, you're right. Because everybody's, like, taunting him. And if it's a matter of, like, they never really go clearly over, like, how the infection happens. Because if it's a matter of just, like, scratching or biting or whatever, he gets his leg clawed a whole bunch of times. He gets torn up, and he never turns into one of them. It's not, it's not an infection like that, because it's possession. So it's not, like, anything like that. Like, that's not how you become a deadite. Um, maybe cause he's the chosen one, but you, that is that later. mythology isn't even like introduced. Yeah, it doesn't yet. exist yet. <laughs> Yo, when they throw her into, into the basement, the dummy that is used is so bad. And why do they use it for so long? It's not just used to throw her in. It is then the prop that they have smashing up the thing. Like to be like, let me out. Like it's no longer the same actress. I'm pretty sure that was Ted Raimi. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm like I'm like eighty percent sure that was Ted Raimi. I just think it's funny. Like it's a completely different person. The makeup's different. The whole thing is different. But then they go back to Cheryl in the makeup for like other parts. I don't know. It was weird. And then you know, there's another one of those like monster point of view things where they're like she's playing with the chains and stuff, and that's creepy. Why did the character bite her own hand off? That made no sense to me. I don't was know. that like, because I, I assumed maybe it was something with the handle on the knife, but then she's holding it with the other hand later. Yeah, no, no, no. He's, yeah, no, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it was just like, she was like, oh yeah, you think you can cut my hand off? Watch, I'll cut my hand off with my mouth. Because I never even, I don't think I remember that. I don't remember him having a knife. I had to figure out where that came from. They actually focus on where he pulls the knife from. I didn't remember the knife either, but one thing I did notice in the basement that I didn't see last time was the Hills Have Eyes movie poster behind the book. Really? Nice. Uh-huh. That's a good little nod, but weird. <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do with this movie conceptually. Maybe it's just like, hey, I'm a Wes Craven fan, so I'm going to put this in here. And this is like the part where like, I always was like, Bruce Campbell, Ash is the hero of this series, but for like the first half, Scott is like a false protagonist. Because he's just like, that's my girlfriend. I don't give a fuck. That's a monster. Kills the shit out of her. And Ash is just cowering, holding a shotgun in the corner. Well, that's why I was talking about Ash being like the final girl. Because Scott's like the aggro alpha male, like jock character that you would see in these movies. And they don't last ever. But then you have that moment, that pivotal moment where like the final girl gets her shit together and fights back. And that's like what Ash's whole journey through the movie is. I wonder if the reason some of my memories are different are because of the second one. It's kind of hard to peel them apart when you just think about them not I, watching I remember it. like Scott, but I remember him being different. And now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, that's probably the second one. All right. <laughs> yeah, because they did a lot a lot of different like face makeup with him where he looks more demonic in the in the second one. Yeah. I don't know. I love the fact that like this movie, it's just immediately, <laughs> they're just like, I'm a demon now. But the only person who has really shitty makeup is Linda. Like They all have like crazy zombie face and she just has like Joker makeup on. <laughs> well, that's because they were trying to present her as like less monstrous because there's the whole scene later where Ash doesn't want to hurt her, which actually ties into the opening of Evil Dead 2 when he's trying to like figure out how to deal with his demonically possessed girlfriend. But he goes to this whole like, I can't do it thing, you know, and then like, I guess his transition moment is when he decides like, she's no longer my girlfriend. She is now. Uh, spawn of satan and he dismembers her body 
I just re- I just saw this note that I had and it, it made me laugh because I didn't understand it. But how does Ash keep getting stuck underneath like really flimsy bookshelves? <sighs> like fully stuck. Like it happens twice the exact same way. So let's talk about the time there was blood everywhere. Blood coming out of pipes. Blood coming out of electrical I didn't think outlets. that was this movie. I'm surprised because I thought the bleeding house was just the second one. I didn't think they did that in this one. They do it more seriously in this one where it's not like the animals and stuff laughing at him, but I, I fully forgot that that happened. I actually forgot that wasn't the first one. I was waiting the whole time for the animals laughing scene and it never came. <laughs> but then this movie gets like super gory because he kills the girlfriend, he decapitates her, then he's getting attacked by her headless corpse while the head like is on the ground laughing. And then he gets in this confrontation with Scott, he gouges out his eyes, and then he does this like really weird inexplicable thing where he like reaches into Scott's torso, pulls out a rib... And then he starts like leaking blood, like he sprung a leak because he pulled the rib out. Or uh, how about the fact that the demons, whenever the demons are like injured by like the knife specifically, uh, they shoot milk out or something, whatever that white stuff, that's totally milk. It's definitely just milk. I think later they're leaking like applesauce and oatmeal mixed together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cause like, I mean, there's a lot of like weird shit in this that I didn't notice when I was younger. Like what about when Ash uses the necklace that he gave his girlfriend to try to use it as like a grappling hook to pull the Necronomicon closer to him somehow. It like works. it would never work. No, not the way he got it to work. How about the fact that when he's outside burying his girlfriend, she totally helps him lift her up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when he starts burying his girlfriend is when the movie takes a little bit of a goofier turn. Cause like up to this point, it's been pretty serious. But mm-hmm. when his girlfriend gets up at first, he picks up the most ridiculously large two by four to beat her with. Oh my god! No, that wasn't a two by four. That was like a four by. That was like the uh, type of post you'd use to build a deck or something. Anyway, it was massive. He's just like whacking her in the face, and I'm like, "All right, so this is where the goofy side comes out now." That and also, I thought the faces that him and Scott were making that they kept doing the close ups on for some reason while she gnawed her arm off. <laughs> I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> One of my favorite, like, what the fuck Bruce Campbell moments in this was when he's trying to, like, wake Scott up after Scott comes back and, like, he's all busted and he's got, like, bones sticking out of his arm and his face oh, is, yeah. like, half ripped off. He's, like, trying to keep him awake and he, like, slaps him in the face. I'm like, this guy really doesn't need to be hit anymore. fucked up, yeah. <laughs> also, um, so I don't think I ever, like, thought about it before, but Scott's like, they'll never let us leave. The trees won't let us leave. They know. He, his pants are ripped. Oh. Did he get... Did he get tree raped? That's what I was like, oh shit. I don't think I would have thought about that as a kid because they didn't show it, but I think he did. I think that's a question for if you ever meet Sam Raimi. Did Scott get tree raped? (laughs) (laughs) Then they have the giant finale scene where everybody turns into applesauce and oatmeal and there's a lot of claymation stop motion stuff. And I was a little confused. stop motion ever. No, it was pretty awesome. Um, But I was confused because at one point, these giant, the bodies basically sort of explode from the inside and you see like creature hands ripping out. So I'm like, Oh, they're going to turn into gargoyles or something. But then there's never a creature. They just like dissolve after that. It's like, where, where those hands one don't remember that happening when I was a kid Two, kind of wish there would have been like a giant monster that popped out like a final boss boss fight or something. Well, they did that in the second one, but I guess that's because they had a bigger budget. Do they? Cause there's like the giant thing coming in through the front door. And that's something that's like, absent here so maybe originally the scene had been written a different way and they just ran out of money for special effects because 
why would there be like claws ripping something out from the inside and then all of a sudden it just dissolves? Because that it was kind of cool though. Well, it was, but it totally set it up for another bigger confrontation. Yeah, yeah, no, I kind of wish that would have turned into something more. Also, I guess technically it doesn't have to work, but the book did melt. So it's like he killed the book. It almost feels like there wasn't supposed to be a sequel. It's actually a little weird because usually in stories like this, the books are like inflammable. Yeah. Yeah. I love like in these end scenes, though, like the very like HP Lovecrafty, like in the mouth of madness type shots they're doing where he's like losing his mind covered in blood. And like the camera like filters are like red and stuff. And it's like really close, weird angles on his face. I just don't understand the point of the book in general, because the the entity existed before the book. And the entity existed after the book was destroyed. So, yeah, you're right. What did that even that. mean? Except the book isn't destroyed because in the sequel, the book is fine. Well, then there's the whole debate of like, is it a sequel? And most people would say absolutely yes. It's half a sequel. Bruce Campbell himself explained that at some point. If you ask him, the original studio wouldn't give them the rights to the movie, so they had to reshoot the recap to let you know what happened in the first one because it was going to be slightly different because the sequel had to be because they don't have the rights to that. So like the first half is like the end half of the movie, even though it's like completely different. But he said like, if you pick up at the part at the very end where the entity hits Ash and throws him through the woods and you pick up in the second one where he's flying through the woods, that's where it's supposed to directly connect to the first one. Thank you. I knew you were going to... You've, you've explained it to me before. I just wanted you to explain it for Oh, this. you knew I would do it again? Yeah. Why are there always snakes and bugs inside things that melt, though, in movies? It's a good point. And then the bugs started melting and exploding, too. It's always so common in, like, stuff like this. Like, they didn't have worms in their body. They have bugs and snakes in their bodies. Hey, man, we don't know what the trees put in there. <laughs> so, Evil Dead still holds up. Not as scary as I remember it being, but it's a classic. I feel like it's the kind of movie that if you show to a, a younger person today, they're like, I don't see what the big deal is. Because a lot of the, the joy here really is wrapped in the nostalgia. I feel like some kids still, I think it would still fuck up kids if you watch it in the right setting. We need to show it to like five or six year old. No, that's. All right. Got you, man. I got this. I got this. I have one of those. Don't do that. I have, I have two, five, eight. 12. I've got a peer group to judge the scale of scariness. Maybe I'll fast forward through the tree scene. So I'm going to give it three out of four beards because I love it. But at the same time, I do have several scenes in the second one that I enjoyed more. And if I give this one four beards, where am I going to go from there? I give all of them four beards except for Army of Darkness. I was going to say, you didn't even like Army of Darkness. I didn't hate Army of Darkness. I didn't say you hated it. I said you didn't like it. It's too different from the other ones to be considered part of them in my mind. It was more sci-fi-y, and it had, a co- it had a totally different feel to it, so... It'd be like if Lord of the Rings, the final one, was, was like Hobbits in space. In space. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they're like, it's the trilogy. But like, no, this one has nothing to do with the other ones. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bearded B-Roll and look for us anywhere you find podcasts. Check out our website, beardedbroll.com for info and links to merch, and remember to email us with ideas and suggestions at beardedbroll at gmail.com. And check out our Discord. Was this movie actually just a metaphor for spousal abuse? Who's the spouse, though? Linda. So Ash is the abused woman? No, he beats the fuck out of her. But because she's evil, because she made him do it.